0: welcome everyone to plugged and unplanned and tony nash back with you again i'm the ceo of booktopia and you better strap yourself in today because i have an author that has achieved incredible success knows how to get other people to uh, um, achieve incredible success and uh, and so i reckon we're going to be in for a bit of a ride it's nikki fogden moore and her book is radical self-belief hashtag adulting the rally of life We'll go into that a bit more. The essential roadmap for sustainable success, and then um, we have a, a quote um, here: "This book will change the way you run your life." Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much, and it's a pleasure to be here.
0: So it's quite—I mean, it's quite a platform that you come from in terms of what you do and how you kind of um, motivate others and and get them get them going. To actually write a book, to sit down and crank it out, um, you, you've you written, have, have you written another book? Is this your first or have you written others?
1: This is the third proper full book. And I've written a couple of others. And I have a book called The Nictionary, which is all my silly quotes that I come up with. Um, so this is the third book, but I've found the process has been exactly the same. It is just incredibly bizarre.
0: Isn't that great? So w- when you think about... Um, You being in school and your English teacher, and they think about, you know, little Nikki and, you know, what's going to come of her. And then that Nikki of then to today, like, are they going, she wrote a book, she trained CEOs and and other thought leaders and sports people and whoever else you're working with? Like, do they go, I cannot believe what happened to her? Or were you always destined to be this kind of um, facilitator?
1: That is such a terrific question. I think it's got a two parts to it. If I look back and remember myself growing up I was always writing stories like full-on stories as a child from the age of four or five fully with illustrations about families and trees and my mum used to make lunches for my imaginary friends because I would have this just this imagination but the other element from a very young age is I used to sit on the the leather lounge suite in my dad's snooker room. We lived on a big farm. It was kind of the thing then. And all his friends would come in. And as a really young girl, they would come and ask me business questions or auctioneering questions. And I would sit there scoring the snooker and I'd say, oh, I don't think you should buy that horse or don't go with that deal. Or So I, I think if you look back in your own viewpoint, um, you know, through my school career and things, I was always the, the sort of the overly creative child and, you know, incredibly inquisitive and a lot of energy. I don't think I've changed one bit from little Nikki to now. I think what's happened is I understand fully who I am now. And perhaps in those constructs of teachers and things, I certainly would say my English teacher probably would go, I can see that happening. Probably say I could definitely see the fact that she's an author and not a scientist, that's for sure. But um, if you look back on that, there's, you know, elements of you know, drama trophies at school, but also sports things. And I think we do have some kind of blueprint. It's just whether or not we're allowed to expand on that and how people label what it is that you're good at and the room that you have to thrive as a child. So I went to boarding school and, um, you know, I don't know if you know, but I was in a bus accident in my first term. So I had a lot of strange things happen very young on in my age, which made me very grown up and just had to get through things. So I think looking back now, most people that have, that have known me really well would always say I've had high energy, and I'm very driven, and I'm always doing things above my age. So those probably all add up. And if I look back at that trajectory about the pins on the roadmap, all the work I've done the past 25 to 30 years, it all adds up as well. But there's no way you would ever see it as a child, because you know, you're inside of that. So it's just I think the evolution of self is the most remarkable process, and and that's really I think once we get to our age, we can look back and we can see how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together and and they make sense.
0: Mm. So radical self belief—that's the title of your book, and and um, I mean I I know for myself that a lot of what has been accomplished is because I've I've worked through um, and over the years dropped certain beliefs that weren't serving me and and uh, and pocketed grabbed on um, installed new beliefs when, when did you how long have you been doing this kind of work for then like where uh, you've been coaching and and working with people how long is you know how long have you been doing it so you, then you've ended up with your, your book
1: I would say that I've been doing this type of conversational work and coaching right back from when I had my first job at a ski shop. I remember people used to lean on the counter and come and ask me questions. And if you notice adulting book and also Fitpreneur and Vitality the other books, they're very simple ways of looking at neuroplasticity or neuroscience on how we actually decide what we're committed to. So I think it's about decoding the understanding that we actually do have a thought choice, but how do you actually do that that creates change? So the coaching has been all throughout my career, even whether it's teaching spinning in Amsterdam in the mornings before my strategic director job or having the doctor is in on a sign in the office and the advertising company I work for people have always gravitated towards me for conversation and perhaps a reflection and um, so the coaching by default I think has been a part of who I am I'm a natural motivator and the one of the things is I'm in the trenches because the things that I work on and share with my clients are things that I've gone through so I really truly practice what I preach and that ability to have an understanding, compassion and empathy for anyone and being in their shoes because I've had such a diverse life. Um, and you talk about radical self-belief, you know, it's only recently that I have come to terms with who I truly am. If you look at me like this, so for a long time, I think I resisted uh, because I was sort of kept back by society's discussion of how we should look and how we should act and how we should do things and it's kind of like Superman you kind of like going no more will I be reined in but if you look back the coaching career has been throughout history the last 25 years solidly I even started CEO retreats in 2004 when I was consulting an advertising agency I had a health and fitness uh, personal training company I took Managing directors and CEOs away to a five star plus resort in Spain. And I did, I called them body breaks then, but now they're called the boardroom retreat. So I founded the boardroom retreat 15 years ago around the philosophy of healthy, wealthy, wise. And at that stage, you know, I was in my early 30s. And, um, but a lot of people were coming to me after work uh, at the Formula One in Bangkok and going, how do you always have so much energy? And I said, it's that trifecta, it's the integration work life balance is the most dangerous statement because then we're always having to rob Peter to pay Paul just by default. And I think the ability to just understand that life is an integration and it's always all things and all conditions, it gives you the ability to, to change your perspective and to sit in a place of control rather than being kind of divided with everything that you have to show up for. And there's some fundamental lessons in in the history of human programming and teaching and schools and our society, which have molded us to be me too or validation externally environment. And most of the leaders like yourself have to have the courage to dare to pioneer. So probably what you did, Tony, is that there wasn't really a booktopia style before you started. You just had to trust this inner GPS and keep going forward with something that was stronger than what everyone else was doing. And that is the strength of, I think, understanding limiting beliefs, and then having the power to go, I don't have to live by that anymore. And that's that's a defining moment in people's lives.
0: Mm. So let's think about the book then, um, because I've got it in front of me, everyone who's listening, it's really well put together in terms of the, it's engaging through color and through through um, you know you can obviously use it as a bit of a manual it's some pages are on the side so you haven't just kind of like started at the first word and ended at the last word it's it I, I can flick through it and go this is actually quite nicely put together and you self-published it which is which is really impressive um when you, When you think about the book though and you think about the work that you do is it something that we should start at the chapter one and work away all the way through because it's like a manual or can you literally kind of shut your eyes and go all right today i'm going to look at this and the universe tells you oh i've opened up on the page on patterns so therefore oh there's something going on for me around patterns and then i i work through that what's your what's your take on how people are going to get the best use out of the book
1: that, that's a great question. I think there's three things. One, this is a doing book. So when I designed this book, I did all the models, all the quotes, everything is designed. I, that When I create a book, I do all the design as well as the writing. And then my designer, Amy, pulls it together. And I would rather put a piece of work out that is solely driven to assist people than to get volume of sales or anything. Else. So it was another risk to go. I'm going to self-publish. But I wanted it to be the art of simplicity. And to go, uh, yes, you can pick it up at any time and you'll be drawn to that page. Or you can, depending on if you're a process person or you really grab the book in a moment of overwhelm and need, you start at the beginning and you realize that you're not alone. And overwhelm as an epidemic is something we need to fight from the source rather than the semantics of what the results are of it. So the book is, the other third thing is, it's one of the books I said we don't give this book away. I mean, it's, it has your notes in it, It's it's got sticky things, you can highlight stuff, go back, it's it's mine, it's your heart and soul, your ideas, your inner workings, It's it, you can write in the book, so I chose the paper specifically, I chose colors to make people feel engaged and inspired and to also do on a neuroscience element, the traffic light systems you'll notice, the green, amber and red are there for a reason and Um, you know, so we can very quickly know when we're in flow or when we're in no-go zone. So it is a trifecta of usage. You can pop into it. You can start from, you know, the beginning or you can go to a pit stop. And the good thing is you can go and listen to podcasts with the people that are in the pit stops. And I thought, however people need to learn, I wanted to make it an accessible tool that if you needed to go and do the online program with the book, because then you'd finish it, then that's why I credit it. So I wanted all the senses to be covered, but there were really no excuses to go, I'm just going to put my coffee cup on that book. It's going to be like a tic-tac hope moment. I'll read it and by osmosis, I'll be changed. I'm saying, no, 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 you've got to suit up. It's a 50-50 job between the author and the reader and we're in this together. Mm,
0: interesting, hey? So I think um, we're all starting to get a bit of an insight here. I'll look at some of the key the- the chapters, you, you, I mean, you talk about the the welcome and you, you talked about overwhelm, but you do have on the front page and it's obviously something that you have, I guess, kind of put out there, hashtag adulting the rally of life. So that's obviously something that you, you're kind of starting to kind of jolt us into a certain kind of thinking or thinking being. Um, where, where does where what's the origins of that?
1: Um, in my coaching, I always give analogies, uh, and my clients have what they call a nikiphony. So they'll have a session with me, and then they'll ring up later, and they go, oh, "It's the pennies dropped." So I think the 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 fastest way that we can get people from the idea of what great looks like into actually doing it is to simplify it. And the rally analogy is how I often talk on stage or with clients to say life isn't a Formula One race where you get, you know, the lint picked up off the the floor and you've got your little pit lane, you can come in and your wheels are changed for you. And, you know, that's the highest performance sport, but this life is more like the Dakar rally. It is all seasons, all conditions, it's sand and snow and hail, and you're going to lose a wheel and you're going to have to get dug out of the quicksand and, and you're going to have to have a good, you know, co-pilot. You've got to know your resources. You can't wing it and you can't, It's no two days are the same and no two locations are the same. And that is when you start to figure out that life is a rally, then you can start to what I call embrace rather than refuse it. So resilience is a very dangerous word that we've become very accustomed to. I'll just get through this and I'll stand back up again. And so I like to give the perspective of two people in an elevator on the 56th floor. And, the, and you've got two different types of people. One, and the, the, the elevator goes down and all of a sudden it just drops 20 floors, right? And you've got one person in the bottom of the elevator, absolutely cowardly, you know, just, oh my God, this is the worst thing that's going to happen. I don't know if I've got my will. And you've got the other person going, woo, let's do it again. Like, whoa, I'm alive. And this is amazing. And kind of celebrating the fact they're still standing where one person, that's the worst thing that's ever happened to them. How are they going to get over it? So we've got two types of people, we can be people who life does stuff to, or we can choose to be people who do things with life. And I always, you know, traveling so much, I've lived in extraordinary places where people have nothing, but their kids go to school with a beautiful crisp white clean shirt. Their places that are only one room, are immaculate. Um, they have so much joy, laughter, music, And during lockdown, I often say, why are we so miserable? When you can get your Uber Eats, you can order your style runner, you can buy your books off, you can consume, you can do all the things that you've actually manifested. That for the last decade, we said we want more time at home, more time with our family, more time to expand our intellectual horizons. Yet when we're given all of that, we suddenly feel that we don't have our freedom because we can't go to a restaurant. And I'd like to caveat that to say, I lost my father this year and I couldn't go to his funeral and I missed being with him when he passed yet I looked after him for a couple of months and I came back home here to rearrange some things and then I couldn't get back and so when people say to me it's all right for you I say how is it any different Um, you know we're all in this together I just choose to adopt a philosophy of agility And to be entirely grateful. And if you want to think about Buddhism philosophies, or if you want to think about our new diet regime, which is mindfulness, you know, mindset has become the new diet industry. Meditate, be woke. I call it fake through. Because you can put as many things and quotes up and create vision boards. But if you're not willing to show up and actually, you know, feel that on a cellular level in your body, then you're missing the whole point. And that's what this book is about. And I, I did the rally analogy as well, because I, most of my clients are men and I'm just going to be a little bit controversial. So ladies, please forgive me. I feel there's a lot of help for women in leadership. We've had a massive movement to support women in startups and startups and getting, you know, we've got a lot of groups and functions and, but there's not a lot of discussions on how we can help male leaders and a leader is any person in life become the very best version of themselves, find their sense of adventure, harness their intellect, figure it, you know, we don't have sheds or garages anymore. Men, everywhere that men used to go when my dad was his age, now everyone can go there. There's a sacred space that I think I wanted this book to fill that it was not about a woo woo book because I am very woo woo by the way and we could talk about that later but I wanted to make it extremely relevant And to anyone that's writing a book or anyone that's trying to motivate or start a business, there's three R's. Is it relevant to the person that you're working with or reading? Does it resonate? If it doesn't resonate with you, don't do it. It's someone else's goals. And is it real time? Because if you do those three things, you create amazing shifts and coordinates and your whole world, it reflects. So how you are internally, regardless of what you argue with me, I can guarantee you your external world will reflect and that is the power of true being present and that takes self-discipline, self-mastery but the results are remarkable and that's really why I work so hard is my sole mission is to make sure that the world's wealth, that all the commerce, is run by value-led leaders. If we keep getting all the beautiful people to run to the hills to be Buddhist monks and not run businesses, then we don't have commerce taken care of with the proper energy conviction and community that is so vital for our new paradigm and new landscape. So that is it. I'm here to be in the trenches for leaders of any kind to make sure that the money that we put through our communities, the way we care about our staff, because that goes home to families, that we don't have to have good people say, oh, I just don't want to earn more. I don't need that. We actually need good people to earn more. We need good people to do more, have more success, because that's just the most beautiful energy in our commerce. And and we have to look at things differently. So that's my little soapbox, but it's extremely vital and it has a beautiful ripple effect and we can harness that too. Mm,
0: So many questions. Thank you. So i'll start with this this one given you know all of us are listening listening to you um of all the people that you work with and you worked with many over the years is there a, a trait that you all of a sudden is there some sort of state of mind that you you get to a point you go this person is so stuck or immovable or so invested in not wanting to transform and and let go and grab and be free and grab onto the the, the next thing. like is there something there that you go okay here we go here's somebody um that i won't be able to work with and and therefore we can ask ourselves that question so what what am i holding on to that's stopping me from being magnificent and, and is that something that um that you even yourself someone who's very skilled at working with people in the end you can't do anything because they they won't let go
1: um you know the most profound and beautiful question because you could apply that to parenting tony you could apply that to friendships you know you could apply that to partnerships um i think the biggest thing is i i always look back and think of the client the rare clients that haven't magnified or amplified because 99% 99% of the people that I've worked with, I'm still in contact with for 25 years. And sometimes some of the, most of them are still working with me in some capacity, but the ones where it hasn't, I really did a deep dive on why. And it's also my evolution. And I created a matrix um, around, you know, the values. So it's not an industry specific. It's a, it's a person specific that gets drawn to you. But the fundamental time, you know, when someone's uncoachable or, immovable or unchangeable is because they're not reciprocally meeting you in the middle so it's like you know working with someone with addictions or um you know I think a lot of people have shiny object syndrome around coaches too because they all want to coach or they think it's a cool thing and we've also got an industry that's saturated so I actually wrote a little I did a little video on how to choose the right coach. And as a coach, how to make sure that you have milestones to go, Are we? do we have the right chemistry? Because I'm extremely confronting and I can only channel the truth. But it took me a long time to set the frameworks up to put uh, pit stops in place to go, you know what, it, this might not be the right time for you. Um, I could recommend someone else. And that's why having the, the online programs now and the book and the podcast People naturally will gravitate through. So if you go to my website, you actually can't book coaching with me. Um, It's I get sent people, you just get smashed with people when it is meant to happen. And then it's the most glorious working relationship. Um, But there are other ways to test out someone's work to see if it resonates with you. And people have to be prepared to show up. So if you are trying to give a book to someone and it's just going to sit there, or if you're trying to get your kids to learn a new skill and they're really not interested, whoever it is um, or you've got a CFO and you want to put them through training and development if that person doesn't want to do it and isn't prepared to take accountability for their own thoughts and actions it will never work it will never work it's like I'm learning to ride polo and pl- ride horses and play polo at the same time at the moment and um, you know you get on a horse and I'm new and it knows that I'm not a good rider so the that horse ain't gonna do anything for me because it's like, no. I'm, <laughs> but so, but if there's a horse that's willing to show you and work with you, what a beautiful, magical moment that is. And as humans, we are very prone to misery loves company. So if, if something doesn't work out, we tend to deflect and go, oh, that didn't work out. That was a really expensive coach. That program didn't work. And I've known many people to go through the Tony Robbins program and come out the other side, and they're still not in a better position because they're consuming information, but they're not applying it. So there are so many of us out there all saying the same message. I think for anyone listening, find an author, find a coach, find a leader, find a motivator that really resonates in your soul that you cannot escape it. And then it all happens, but you've got to have that, oh, i really got to do like. You're, the force to do it outweighs the fear of not. And I think that's a beautiful moment in life when you just go, if it, you know, I've got to do it. There's just, I can't not. But if you're still in the, I'm too busy, my kids, my wife won't understand, extra the excuses syndrome, nothing's going to change. And that's entirely your responsibility. The same thing what's happening in the world of health at the moment It's people's responsibility to take care um, ownership of their own lives we can't keep blanketing and 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 saying what's not fair and what is fair and we also can't look at blaming other people for making their own decisions either so we have to come out of a blame deflect society and be totally accountable and then we have what I call solid pieces of the puzzle so if you imagine the world and we're all individuals and we all have our unique facets and joints together, if we're solid in ourselves, that makes a great puzzle, doesn't it? A really strong puzzle, it doesn't bend. But if everyone's a bit soggy around the edges and yeah, sort of, then we just get the soggy puzzle Puzzle that there's, you know, it's, it's an un... Um, it's not a foundation to build something long-term on. So what I'm trying to do is say, um, I only coach 12 to 13 people a year one-on-one. And then the rest is with the masterclass groups what I call the full Monty is giving people an opportunity to show up. And when you show up, you just get more and more and more and you grow. But I never rush someone through a point unless one brick is cemented. Because what would be the point of that? You know, the Sistine Chapel, all the greatest things in the world, the pyramids are all built on solid foundations and they have stood through history. So rather than rushing to get certified, I feel that people should just go, is this section of my growth cemented? Have I understood what limiting beliefs are and that my ego isn't something I can suddenly switch off? I just have to swipe left on it and go, Bob, I'm not listening to that. I choose this thought. And then I'm just gonna practice that till it comes habit. And that's neuroplasticity is watering the flowers, not the weeds, but you have to have enough time watering the flowers for them to bloom. And that means you can't sort of do it. Mm. Um, And when we have strong children and strong friendships and strong partnerships where people show up together, this art of reciprocity and interdependence, that is where the magic happens. And that's what all this, this work is. Um, to go you know you can open this book but you got to do the work and then if you do the work you'll be surprised because it works so it's like a self fulfilling prophecy
0: so when you think about the best the most um the be- the best candidate to actually pick up the book and start working with it um and and getting value out of it whether you give giving it as a gift um or buying it for yourself um when you think about the you know the the person at the end of it is it is it for everyone doesn't matter whether they're just in high school um leaving school uni um you're 70 you're 50 you're starting a new job what where what's the what's the kind of um status of the person who's going to grab this and get get the most out of it
1: this book, that's what I wanted to put a new sticker on the book, Tony, that says we are all leaders in life. Six-year-old kids are leaders in the playground, you know, so it is for anyone who wants to feel in the driver's seat of their life, who, who's stuck, confused, uh, bored of feeling absolutely unfilled and just, I just, you know, this overwhelm and paralysis by analysis, as Stephen Hawking said, we're in the age of complexity. It doesn't help anyone to stay stuck in that. This book is not age, title, or gender specific. It is for people who want to do things with life. And I think the more people that we get that are coming out of university, the more um, younger individuals that, that, and, you know, we do use the word leaders because we all have to lead. Um, the younger individuals that can start to have this paradigm of thinking choice not chance uh, understand that stress is a byproduct of not taking the self-discipline to keep grounded that we can have a new lens around how we navigate our life then you can pick it up at 18 or you could pick it up at 80. and and that's and the reason i put the yogi Andrea Markham, we've got Jake Edwards, we've got James Hunter, we've got the gorgeous Al Ramadan, who's a Melbonian, who was part founder with Adobe. He's just the most terrific spirited human. These aren't people sitting in ivory towers. They are people that have rolled their sleeves up with life and gone through it all and are sharing their stories. So I think there's something in the book for everyone. And I wrote it, as a doing book for anyone that just felt like I just I don't like what this is I don't really know what else is on option but I'm not prepared to stay here anymore Mm. and I don't want fancy and I don't want fluffy and I don't want too complicated I just want to see immediate results at least from the first chapter
0: so I I, people know who listen to my podcast they know that I don't want to go too much into the book we want you to buy the book Nikki's book Nikki Fogden Moore radical self-belief and you can buy it from booktopia and hopefully many other bookshops around the country and and when just to give you guys an idea because um i have the book here in front of me so it's got some chapters in the beginning about kind of it's framing everything up and then it goes into these checkpoints checkpoint one survival mode checkpoint two awareness account and then accountability action and so forth seven checkpoints and so um and then there's a the finish line we're in an after party so um it's it's kind of framed up that way and and it i can tell as i you know thumb through it i haven't had a chance to to go through it myself in terms of putting my own self-belief to the test um but um i can tell that you're onto something here so congrats on that um when i we don't get a lot of time to talk with each other today but when you think about that and we think about some of the Um, things that are in there is there anything specific that you'd like to in the book that you would like to mention as say you know saving that I don't I don't touch and I would prefer to for you to bring it up um, now so we can get a real sense of what it's all about
1: I I think the only thing I'd say to people is when you open those pages you get I'm with you every word every diagram every model every quote I wrote that. No, There's no ghostwriter. Uh, there's probably some spelling mistakes. So <laughs> let us know. But I poured my heart and soul into all my books and this one especially. And a little thing you might not have known, it actually had an old cover. But when my dad passed away, I had a dream that that was the cover. And I got up at two o'clock in the morning and I designed the cover. Because I just thought, you know, we got to stop feeling so sad about life and so stuck we have to be in it and so if the only thing I'd say Tony is the pages come to life yeah, everywhere you can get the free worksheets I will give you any tool I can to navigate you from chaos to calm straight away so the the podcast the worksheets the thing about this book that perhaps you might not know until you actually dive into it is that everything in there is in, with intent every page is on purpose. Um, And it's years and years of coaching made simple. So if you can't work with me one-on-one, you get my silly little accent with you and my energy and my support as your cheerleader. Because the one thing with all my books and my programs is people can contact me directly. So, and I have, I will always say it and I will never let go of that promise. And sometimes it might take a couple of days or whatever, but I'll always respond. And I think to ensure that people feel significant is the greatest gift we can give in this world. And that's always been my promise. So when you pick up this book, you're already significant and you show that you matter. And then you're stuck with me, basically, because I'm I'm there in the in your little voice in your head going, you sure you want to do that? <laughs> what did we just do a checkpoint accountability? So. things around your pit crew, letting go of friends and naysayers and navigating through relationships and how to build a business and celebrating marshmallows, not Maseratis. We make all these big promises. And I say to organizations I work with, if the shit hit the fan, what could we promise that we will always continue that the staff can rely on? Uh, So let's create something that no matter what's going on commercially, they know they're supported. And those are the fundamentals that you'll read through the book.
0: I mean, if you think about it, it's it's less than thirty dollars on Booktopia's website. It's uh at the moment it's twenty-three seventy-five. So if anyone wanted to to spend um or coffees, yeah, sort of like the price, the the price of just going out for you know, one person's meal at a cafe, you get, you've got all of this um personal development and coaching here in the one book that you can take yourself. through the program it doesn't get much cheaper than that that's probably the best investment you can make in yourself so i highly endorse that so to to give everyone an idea of the kind of um coach or the kind of um i guess let's just say um um you know navigator that you are to, to when you work with people um i'm the ceo of booktopia um obviously i've had to overcome a lot of Uh, my shortcomings i was i was um i got 56 percent of my high school certificate i went to uni where i mastered in space invaders and snooker failed in accounting and economics and dropped out i i um i so i never had a university degree i um i've been bankrupt and i found out that only four years ago that i have had adhd and lived with it all my life and didn't know that until my son was diagnosed so so and when when if i put myself into the into the the patient's seat the um the the you're you're one of 12 to 13 people that you coach per year and you you challenge me i want everyone to hear the questions that you might ask of me to really hold me to account so then they can listen to that and go how would i answer that question i mean how did tony answer that question but how how would i so I'm going to hand mm. the microphone over to you now, Nikki. Oh, you're, in,
1: you're in the hot seat now, Tony. Yep,
0: that's right. Um,
1: I, I think, we you know, what a, a, a fabulous role reversal. I would always say to anyone, you know, it's, do you really know how to define your utopia at Booktopia? So because as a founder and all the things that you've accomplished, we're not defined by a piece of paper that an institution has given us. We're defined by life's experiences and how we show up our, I call it attitude and altitude. So attitude is where we come from as we navigate through experiences. So you as a CEO, without those things that you've mentioned, I would hesitate to think you'd be such a terrific leader without all those stripes that you've earned to navigate your way from loss to success and even then my first question would be how do you put your oxygen mask on first because you're kind of a legacy here um you know and do you know how to answer that question that if you just drop the pin and you drew a line in the sand with everything up until this point you know what will give you peace of mind and and vitality and harmony on the next and how do you get your vital ingredients met so that you can then do everything else required of you
0: it's a tricky one. There's a lot of things in there that, that uh, are percolating in the background. I think the one thing that served me in terms of the Booktopia part of my life or business, because uh, I've been running my own companies now for 25 years, so um, Booktopia's been going for 17, and I was, I, I don't think I was a, I was a learning leader um, in the beginning, um, as I made lots of mistakes and and it was cost, costly in terms of um you know maybe friendships but or probably more money uh, in terms of bad decisions or learning decisions and and so but now with booktopia i think having a very clear um um finish line um i'm very horizon point driven so they they talk about planes being on track 93% of the time and off track 97% of the time correcting through their automatic guidance system so knowing where you're heading um, has served me very well because then it's easy for me to communicate that to the team and to you know, what what's a priority, what's not a priority. Um, so that that's certainly um, so that's served me in terms of book, Booktopia to to do that. As you get bigger and bigger, though, it's a, um, I was explaining explaining to someone the other day, like in in the older days. It was like we're going to the top of that mountain, and, yeah. and between here and there, there's you know there, uh, there was a bit of a swamp, and there's a creek, and you got to walk through that, and then maybe there was some you know some wild wild animals that you needed to contend with, and there was a bit of a bit of a desert, but you you knew where to go. Today it's a bit like, um, all right, I've got three hundred people working in Booktopia. I cannot take um, the the territory between the the horizon point and there um and just deal with it as I come up because there's now instead of a stream it's a it's a you know raging river so you gotta find a good spot to cross it and then it's not just a little patch of desert, it's a long desert. And so so the consideration of having everyone come on the journey needs to be a lot more measured. And therefore our strategy and our planning around how we're going to get there and what's what's going to go because that's not in my nature. It's like you know vision it and you you'll come up with the the things to to get there on the way so so that i think that's part of part of that answer um you had quite a few things in there was there anything else that you want well
1: i i think you've answered the fact like your leadership by learning has also meant that as your business has evolved you've had to become more structured because you're also taking into account that everybody else has to be on this journey with you so that comes a lot of responsibility as a founder, you're not just thinking about yourself, you're thinking about your 300 staff, your family, your customers, and the whole experience. How do you take time just to create a vortex where you can, you know, press pause and recalibrate?
0: Um, So I'm very grounded. And when you talked about um, the, the Dakar rally or any kind of big rally where you're driving through what when I, when you said that it's when i do my keynotes i talk about things coming out of left field so you're you're in the game you're playing playing the game you're you've got a business and then all of a sudden something comes <laughs> that you didn't expect and it, it you you're throwing something to me what i do is i don't ride the emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. of, of life and business so i don't so Last week we won we won um, Western Sydney Business of the Year. Um, Congratulations! And yeah, and so this is uh, my celebration of that was like you know a little a little fist pump and that's great. And then I move move on. So Telstra Business of the Year, um, listing on the ASX, which we did a year ago, and all those things I don't overly celebrate. Um, I feel it, but I I don't go let's let's party till we drop in the in the same instance when something gets comes out of left field it's like okay well, what have we got to do to deal with this yeah what are, what are, what are our options what and there's plenty that come at you out of, from left field from people resigning or the government asking you to do something or change in a pandemic all these things mm. that, that happen um you you've got to be able to to deal with that and i think that's really important um skill the one, one thing I will add to that, which you haven't really asked, but um, is su- super, super important for people to consider, is that, um, and I, I tell a story actually in one of my um, slides in my keynotes, and I talk about my neighbor, Bruce, who, so what happened well, one day I'm, I'm reversing out of my driveway and there's a strange lady in the driveway next to me looking down, um, I'd never seen her before. So I stop and I get out and I see, my neighbour Bruce lying on the on the driveway driveway unconscious with blood coming out of his head, and and so he um he had been um, pickaxing trying to get um, bamboo out of the out of his garden, and he fell down two meters to the bank underneath, rolled, and then fell another two meters down onto the concrete uh, driveway underneath. Now, I have done the first aid training here at Booktopia, where you got to punch the you know press the dummy and. You get, you go through all, the, you, you do, you talk about all the things you got to do in a in a in a first aid situation. But in that situation, do I remember it? now? What what do they say? Do, are you supposed to roll them on the side? Do you ask them something, or do you like do you when you hold your like? But I've got the certificate, and I've done it twice. But in the moment, all of that information was lost because it was it had not been used. It was rusty, and uh, wasn't wasn't automatic. It just so happened that a guy. And his wife was driving past. He was an ophthalmologist. Got out of the car, and because he was trained as a doctor, he knew what to do. And then the ambulance arrived, and he'd been taken. Bruce had been taken care of, and I um, was useless in that situation, other than our oh, mate, you know, what I'm and calling the other than calling the ambulance. So, so with a lot of these things, um, in terms of my learning, in terms of everything else, it's so important to understand that you have to internalize it, and make it automatic, because in the moment. Uh, with what's going on you you go oh you know what did Nikki say she we did that in that session and it was such a good point she made a really good point oh I can't remember right and then you have you've you've lost your opportunity to to have leverage and to have access so it really is about it really is about making everything automatic um and don't beat yourself up because you couldn't remember it's like okay, yeah I've got to I've got to think about that a bit more and and I think with with ADHD I'm I'm hopeless with reading books. Um, I need to be in a workshop. Um, I need an audio. yeah.
1: I need
0: an. I need an audio book. Uh, um, it's just one of those things about sitting down and focusing and and reading the words, um, which I did not know before, of course, but now I do know. And so, therefore, um, that's my learning style. And and that's that's really important to understand your learning style, how you're going to really integrate that.
1: And I think this is a, a really nice reflection. And what we're touching on, actually, there are a couple of takeaways for anyone listening, we have to trust that there's always going to be a solution. But you know, the reason why you use the left field, and I use the rally is when you are just realizing that it's going to be chaos, your inner system has to remain calm. And that's the greatest gift you can give yourself, which is why everyone learns to meditate now. But it's not an hour a day, it's that should be your centrifugal place to come from. I call it flow, not force. There's no friction in life when you're doing things well. And not beating yourself up is crucial, because life's an evolution, not a resolution. So even at our age, we never stop being curious. And that curiosity to understand learning styles to, to take place from running a business the way you've always run it, and then be able to go next level and look at What could be alternatives? What is the agility? And to not stay rigid uh, and to recognize as individuals that we are perpetual beings full of possibility. And when you can think about that, you let go of perfection. Because perfection doesn't exist. Uh, By the law of quantum physics, there is so much there that we only know if we know it. And that's why I'm incredibly interested in quantum physics, neuroplasticity and neuroscience. And I've got lots of books on it. I just try and say to people, the easiest way is to do. If you won't learn unless you do it, um, you can't come out with a certificate unless you do it. So um, the doing, the art of doing is where we get our greatest rewards and our learnings and there are no failures. So I think this catastrophic highs and lows, the big wins and the big losses, uh, what you're talking about is just knowing that if you knew that everything was going to work out okay, regardless of what the storm was, you wouldn't panic. And that's what they teach you in the Marine Corps. That's what I've I've been in many situations where you just, you can't, panic. panic does not work, but we're in a panic driven programming. So moving out of panic driven and understanding self, mastering self is your greatest asset. And that's what I think you're reflecting as a leader is that this is a learning journey. Leadership is learning and then applying and leading by example, because then it has a greater ripple effect. And I I don't know, I'm sure the culture that you've got at Booktopia is very much about bringing your individual self to work, meeting the criteria of professionalism and high standards because that's who you are, but not at the consequence of losing people's creativity and personality and I think that's what's so great. And even why you do this show is that people say to me, "Oh, companies aren't a reflection of their leader. And I say that's absolutely not true. But as you get to the top of the triangle, there's less space for people around you. So sometimes you're looking around and you're it. Um, and that can be a very lonely journey. So, you know, understanding, having someone that you can just chat to or being able to talk to yourself and, and reflect is really important. And I think whatever is out there we have so much information Tony about high performance um you know but every person deserves to have the skills to feel comfortable happy and in flow in life that should be a co-requisite for living uh, and that fighting and giving 100% and collateral damage is not the cost of happiness and success but rather it's the opposite and once we've seen how to do it and you cement it, you'll never go back. Um, but you have to trust. You can't have faith sometimes. You have to have it all the time. you know. And that starts with trusting yourself. And what we've done in the past centuries, we've eroded individual confidence. We've eroded people's ability to make independent decisions. They just ask Siri or ask Google or ask their boss. So what I try and cultivate is ownership of decisions, good or bad, you're only going to learn if you do it. So no shouldatives, but how could you look at that? And um, you know, it's such a privilege to sit on a show with leaders like yourself who are creating a longevity, but also a learning for others, and are willing to share personal stories. Uh, a lot of people would never share that they have been diagnosed with ADHD, but you so humbly have, in reflection of your journey with your son. So that radical self acceptance.
0: Well, ADHD is actually a superpower. I didn't realize because what happens is you you love doing what you want to do and you hate doing the things you don't want to do, which is a great um it's a it's a great addition when you're an entrepreneur. It does come at the cost of relationships. So my wife, um, who identified my son because she's a stepmom, uh, something going on there, and you know, I would never have seen it, and my son's mother would have never seen it, but she she was able to work that out. And then um um, to then go i think you have it as well um was g- gave me great insight to w- how i operated and why why certain things had happened in my early years and and they were I, I couldn't i never would have figured it out before it was quite revealing but most importantly um before i was diagnosed my wife was always a nag and was like you, you haven't done this and you haven't and it was always irritating i know i haven't done it i know but it's not as important as my other things as soon as i went on to the medication i was like yeah That needs to get done and I don't have a nagging wife anymore because I now have have, the things that there's connections that would there was disconnections and now there's connections which have changed changed my my way of being but the most important thing that I try and do is in particular with public speaking is really talk upfront about ADHD in my case because most people you know historically it's been a stigma but we all have mental health it doesn't matter whether um you're you're the dalai lama or you're um yeah. the priest of of whatever religion that you're in it, like we all have mental health and and the more that i tell people about it like one guy came up to me a year later after i'd spoken at some event and he goes you said that you have adhd he goes i was trying to hide it from everyone at work now I just go out and tell everyone I've got ADHD, and and it really was liberating for him to be able to do that. And and so I really believe that, um, like we've had other decades where uh, whether your sexuality has has been liberated and various other things that have happened. Yes. To me, the 2020s is all about mental health, and I know it's been going on for some time where politicians and sports people have said I need to take a mental health break. But now it's coming to the point where we go, no, you know, I have this is what my mental health and I love it that it's becoming just just the common common language, and it's not you're not keeping it in your in your cupboard and trying to hide it. Because the more that you you bring it out, the more you own it, and the more that you can work with it and 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 do well with it.
1: Yeah, and that that's the radical self belief, right? That's the understanding of self, and that there's no taboo, um, there's no blame, shame, or guilt to be associated with figuring out who you are, and then finding the fact there's always a solution. But when we are trapped in fear, we don't, we don't, we can't see that, which is where overwhelm comes in, depression and all those things. So giving you that little tiny light at the end of the tunnel, it illuminated the whole runway for you eventually. Um, and that's what we can do by having these discussions. And that's what the myriad of these books are doing. Whatever you pick up, it could just be the light on the runway for you as a reader or as a listener to go, Oh, and I, you just can't beat yourself up if you only get a breakthrough at whatever age you are, because it's divine timing. You, when you're ready, you're ready. And if you're not ready, you won't even, you won't even be doing it. It's it's all, and I think that's the thing is that the universe is synchronistic. Um, I'm finding now that I'm, and we just have to, uh, you know, allow the downloads to happen because we have knowledge in your heart there's a thing called an atom that has passed through generations and it's like a little storage hard drive it's actual physical thing and it's called your heart is an atom in it and that's where you have you know some people have singing abilities or music abilities or artistic abilities or if you really pause and you had to figure something out you can and that's why I like to test myself I throw myself into ridiculous situations because I like to have cognitive uh, acuity continually use all facets of my brain and then dump the hard drive stuff the trash thoughts the old limiting beliefs just like you would clean out your mac or your pc you go through all your files and you need to delete the stuff that doesn't serve you anymore because hanging on to those things and not writing them down and not recognizing them is a burden that you don't have to bear but it's also an excuse because it it's so easily solved so i think when you're listening you really you have to ask yourself if i just took one step that's the first step because then the universe will meet you the next step. So, but we're so used to having finite domino decisions, aren't we? But now with all the uncertainty, I love it because we, people can't plan ahead. So I say, well, now what are you going to do? You're going to have to trust what the next right step is. So there's a real gift in today's time of allowing people to find their true inner confidence
0: mm.
1: and their superpowers.
0: Everyone, we, we, Unfortunately, I said to Nikki at the beginning that um, you know, just, just imagine that we're kind of going out for lunch and people are eavesdropping in. And unfortunately, um, we, we've we run out of time because the next um, setting, the next session of customers are coming in to eat at the, the table. So we're being booted out um, even before dessert. But I have dessert uh, in front of me and it's called Radical Self Belief, a book by Nikki Fogden Moore essential roadmap for sustainable success i've got my copy how about you get yours you just have to click and go online and order it and who knows what future beholds nikki thank you so much for coming on the show and we wish you all the success in the future
1: thank you so much for having me and have a a great christmas break and thanks to all the staff at booktopia and for sharing your insights with me tony pleasure